Welcome to The Collect Call. This podcast is an offering of the Acts 8 movement, proclaiming resurrection in the Episcopal Church. I'm Holly Powell, and I'm a layperson and a member of Christ Church Cathedral in Lexington, Kentucky. And I'm Brendan O'Sullivan-Hale, and I am also a layperson, and I'm a member of the Episcopal Church of All Saints in Indianapolis, Indiana. This podcast is about the intersection of liturgy and life, as seen through the lens of the college. Oh, not the collects. We're not... Oh, we are talking about a collect no, today, No, oh, kind of, sort of. I don't know. The lens. The lens of um, the Book of Common Prayer. Not the co- yes. The whole Book of Common Prayer, including but not limited to the collects. Very true. Very true. Change is hard, Holly. It's really hard. <laughs> and I don't know that I particularly like it. Yeah. Anywho, so this week we are continuing our Lenten series on the various prayers of confession, penitence, and calling found in the daily offices of the morning and evening prayers. And go ahead. You have a thing to say? No, yeah, no, I just have to confess something because Regina Heater made up this phenomenal schedule for us for Lent. Yes, and- she did. Thank you, Regina. And I kind of totally fell down on this. Now, I have um, one kind of bad excuse and one pretty good excuse for what happened. So the bad excuse is that I was on vacation in Iceland. And when I got there, I had the episode fully edited. It was done. I did it on the plane. But we rented a camper. And one of the things I... Oh, a camper. Let's go on. Was it a camper? Well, it was a van with a mattress in the back, basically. It was a vamper. Well, you know. Okay. Sorry. Are, are, no, are, are you are you a person who, like, belittles people who don't have the right kind of camper? Uh, no, I'm a person who belittles everyone who wants to camp. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway. The camper did not have a bathroom, but it did have Wi-Fi. What it did not have was <laughs> any reliable way to charge devices. Aww. So we were literally dealing with this one USB port that was in the dashboard, and it wasn't even a very high-powered one, so we were just desperate to get our phones to charge every day. And we'd like you know, get the phone up to 20% and be like, okay, I guess, I guess that'll do it for a little while. <laughs> anyway, so my laptop was out of power and I wasn't able to charge it until I got to um, Bangkok of all places. And, uh, and then I uploaded the episode. And uh, that, that brings me to the second reason, which is that my father was very ill in uh, Malaysia, and I had to leave from Iceland to go to Malaysia to spring him from the hospital. And that is the actual good reason for a delay. Um, but uh, yeah, my first one's just down to lack of preparedness, and I'm sorry. We forgive you. Thank you. No, I was I was not meaning to be as snarky as I think I came off with the van comment, other than I got a message from you one day that said, I'm sorry I haven't gotten the podcast uploaded yet. My van can't charge my laptop. And I was like, I have a lot of questions about all of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. 
<laughs> All right. So what are we talking about this week other than vampers? Vampers. Um, we are talking about the collect for Lent in the Order of Worship for Evening, which you can find on page 109 of the Book of Common Prayer. Why don't I read the collect and then... I think we should talk about the whole order for evening because it's kind of interesting, right? Uh, it is, and I don't know about you, but this this is a service I have never been to. I've been to retreats where we read it in, as opposed to evening prayer, but okay. maybe once or twice. All right. Well, let's talk about that after we uh, after we do the prayer. Yeah. So the the collect for Lent is on page one eleven, and it is. I guess more appropriately called a college for Lent and other times of penitence, not Mm. including, but not limited to Lent. All right. (laughs) Almighty and most merciful God kindle within us the fire of love that by its cleansing flame, we may be purged of all our sins and made worthy to worship you in spirit and in truth through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. What's the experience been like of of using this service? I mean, when when you've done it at retreats, have you done like all the choreography with the candles and stuff, or have you just kind of read it? No, we just kind of read it. It's kind of it's just shorter than the evening prayer. I, I was reading in Hatchet on this one because this particular liturgy is completely new mm-hmm. to the Book of Common Prayer. Um. Now, Hatchet notes that it is the idea of this kind of service, which is a service of light, basically. So if you actually read the rubrics of this service, you're going to see that there's a lot of business about what candles are lit when. Mm-hmm. And this idea of blessing the evening light or having prayers around the evening light is something that goes back uh, a long, long way. Hatchet notes that big pieces of this are taken from uh, the Mozarabic Rite, uh, which was a liturgy um, that was used uh, throughout Spain uh, before and and after uh, the Moorish conquest, uh, although after uh, the Moorish conquest and the subsequent uh, reconquest by by Christians, uh, it was largely overtaken by the Latin Rite. But in any event, the idea of this kind of service uh, has been around for a long, long time. Hmm. You know, one of the things that you see then is that if you think about how the service is, you know, supposed to be put together, at least as Hatchet describes it, the service begins in darkness. Um, you know, there may be a procession in with a uh, couple of lit candles. And then importantly, the prayer that you just read is said just prior to the candles on the altar being lit. Uh, so if you just think about what would be happening as you say this prayer, the church is still probably going to be mostly dark, mm-hmm. um, and but is very soon about to get light. Yeah. And I actually, you know, if you read through this this service, I really love the imagery of it. And, and I kind of, it makes me wish that I had been to an actual service of it with, with the whole, what did you call it, choreography of candles? Uh, yeah, I guess. Because it's, So that makes me think of, like, Beauty and the Beast, though. Yeah. And it makes me think of, of like, a, an in-sync video, but to each his own. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's just so much 
symbolism in in the flame, the light, um, the fire. There's so much in it that is really cool, and and I'm intrigued by it. I, I would love to know if any of our listeners have uh, attended a service like this or or maybe regularly attend a service like this. It would be really cool to hear how that goes. Yeah, and actually uh, the rubrics note that this is a service that you can do at home too. Now, I, I should mention, because this is part of our Lenten series, uh, and we are perilously close to Holy Week as this episode drops. Yes. Uh, the rubrics also note that you are not to use this during Holy Week, except maybe on Thursday. Yeah, don't even trip thinking you're going to get in on this jam with Holy Week, because it's not cool. No, and so the rubric doesn't tell you why, but Hatchet does. Go, tell it. Uh, so basically, you don't want to do this service during Holy Week in order to avoid stealing the Easter Vigil's thunder. Uh-huh. Well, that would explain why in the rubrics it says Easter Eve has its own form for the lighting of the Paschal candle. Right, right. <laughs> and actually, if you do look at the uh, Easter Vigil and the you know bit of stuff about the lighting of the Paschal candle, you will see a lot of elements in common uh, with, uh, with this service. Um, but yes, obviously, Easter Vigil deservedly gets its own special thing. I love the rubrics of the Book of Common Prayer so much for so many reasons. One of them is that the additional directions for this service tell you where to put the candles in your house. <laughs> Wait, what? I missed that. <laughs> when this service is used in private homes, candles may be lighted at the dining room table or at some other convenient place. <laughs> <laughs> So basically, you know, it's fine if you've got like a really big bathroom. You could light the candles in there. Right. Or if you don't have a dining room, just find something for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. I know. <laughs> okay, maybe we should talk about the prayer. Yeah, we probably should. So again, it, it gives us that um, light metaphor um, that that in this case, um, asking God to light the fire of love within us. And then it goes on to say that that love's fire is a cleansing flame, which I feel like, I feel like I'm in the middle of a bangle song right now. (laughs) Is this burning? (laughs) Um, Say my name, (laughs) sun shines through the rain. Yes, yes. Um, and, And so, you know, God, please light this fire of love in our hearts so that we will be purged of our sins and made more worthy to worship God. Yeah, so I think that the juxtaposition of the language here is really interesting. So on in the second part, we have this clear imagery of kind of a refining fire, mm-hmm. uh, which is some of the language I think uh, Jesus uses in the Gospels to, uh, uh, to talk about fire that can purge us. And, and yet at the same time, this is also the fire of love. And so seeing those uh, two images in uh, such close proximity to each other mm-hmm. uh, is pretty interesting and pretty cool. Yeah, I guess I kind of see it as bring as coming together in that um hi i've just lost the reference (laughs) to the book but that verse of perfect love cast out fear Hmm. um and and seeing it as a um 
the the fire of love casting out the impurities of all the bad stuff. So we do also get a biblical reference here, the spirit and truth. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is a reference to to John four twenty four, which reads. Um, I don't know why Google is just taking me straight to the NIV, but I guess we're going to read from the NIV here. Uh, God is spirit, and His worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. Another biblical reference here in the rubrics. It says that um, it it suggests two different readings for the season of Lent, and they it. They're called short lessons, and they are indeed short lessons. The one is from 1 John, from chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. The night and the day are both of us. <laughs> um, if, you know, if we say we are walking in the light, but we're walking in darkness, we're lying, that kind mm. of thing. And then the second one is from John, chapter 12. Um, again, Jesus said to them, the light is with you for a little bit longer. Walk while you have the light so that the darkness may not overtake you. If you walk in the darkness, you do not know where you are going. While you have the light, believe in the light. Hmm. Yeah, you know, this service is really consistent on yeah. uh, that light imagery. <laughs> yeah, like if you aren't feeling it, this is not going to be the service for you. <laughs> but if you are feeling it, you're going to really be feeling it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, this prayer, and actually uh, all of the prayers, all of the seasonal prayers for this service, were written by the Reverend Dr. Harry Boone Porter, who lived from 1923 to 1999. So, I can't tell from Wikipedia where he was a priest. He taught at Neshota House for a while. Oh, there it is. Um, And then he was at uh, General Seminary, and he was professor of liturgics there. Uh, But an interesting thing about him is that in 1996, at the age of 73, he received a master's degree in environmental studies from Yale University. Brendan, I hate it when you do this to me. This was my fun fact that I had come to this with. And you you had it already. (laughs) God, I'm sorry. (laughs) It's okay. Um... Yeah, so this dude, um, according to his obituary in the New York Times, was um, the principal architect of the 79 revision, writing most of Eucharistic Prayer A and part of Prayer B. Really? Yeah, so it says, and so it surprises me that we haven't come across him. Well, I guess he must not have gotten involved really in a lot of the collects of the week. True. Yeah, that's pretty much where we've been, huh? Yeah. So, wow. That that's so this guy is like up there with Reverend Dr. Massey Shepherd Jr. Yes, may he rest in peace. Um uh. and two two other notes about this dude. Um one, his family is the founding family of the Porter Paint Company. Huh. Okay. Yeah. And two, he was born in Kentucky, so therefore, mad props to Harry Boone Porter. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Wow. This is actually really cool. I think we're going to have to uh, learn more about uh, about him. Yeah. And also, I, I find it interesting. I don't know if the seminaries had the kind of 
um, shall we say, personalities in the 70s that they do today. But it's interesting that he was a professor at Neshota House and then went and became a professor at General. Yeah, I have no idea on that. Yeah. So now during the period that he was at both Neshota House and General, that was uh, pre-women's ordination right? Uh, by quite a few years. So some of the fault lines uh, that... that have appeared in subsequent years may not have been there in as significant a way then. Good point. Yeah, that's true. So I didn't steal all of your thunder. No. I just came across this Wikipedia page, which at the very top just says this article has multiple issues. So um, <laughs> don't we all? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think this is a pretty neat little service. I'm kind of digging it. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. It, it's pretty flexible. You can, you can add in whatever you want. You can uh, use it as a prelude to evening prayer. Uh, you can use it as a prelude to the celebration of the Eucharist. Uh, you can use it as a prelude to a meal or just let it stand on its own. No, this is good stuff. You know, it, it's my guess is that this is done, say, more commonly than something like the Pentecost vigil. Yeah, <laughs> right. But less commonly than a lot of other things. Indeed. Do you have anything to acknowledge or bewail this week? I have a thing that is kind of both. Okay. Okay. And I'm a little nervous about saying this out loud, so bear with me. All right. Okay. Well, I'd like to acknowledge that as this is the first week of April when we're recording this, I have been very consistent with my uh, morning and evening prayer devotion uh, that I had tried to do for Lent. I don't always do them at the right times. <laughs> I think I mentioned in one of the last podcasts that um, sometimes I fall asleep before I uh, read evening prayer, so I read it the next morning. Sometimes mm. I um, am running oversleep in the morning and then don't read e- morning prayer until lunchtime, but I've been pretty consistent with keeping up with it. So I'd like to acknowledge that. Wow, I would like to bewail my failings <laughs> <laughs> no that's good i've done a lot better than last year but i have not been very consistent well you've had some stuff though let's be honest i've had some stuff you've had some yeah. stuff um what i'd like to bewail and this is going to break your heart a little bit okay I, I am really not loving the psalms dude i'm so tired of them I just, <laughs> I have to read them all the time and i'm reading and reading and reading and they're so boring to me I, I'm absolutely going to sympathize with that. I think so for me, and I love, I really do love the Psalms, but sometimes they come at you in so much volume. So much volume. Yes. It often feels like too many verses. And especially when I'm, you know, I'm frankly in a hurry, particularly during morning prayer, because I've got, I've got to get to work and all this stuff. Right. Um, you know, you're just reading the words, and it's not getting in there, really. Yeah, I just, I feel really, like, I know people love the Psalms. People get really jiggy with the Psalms. And I want to get jiggy with the Psalms as well. <laughs> but I just, mm, I'm not I'm not there right now. Well, a friend of the show and the liturgical rock star Derek Olson 
uh, does have a uh, book on the Psalms forthcoming. Um, I don't know exactly when the publication date is supposed to be, uh, but maybe that'll help. I hope so. I hope so. Because I would like to... Here's what it seems like they're telling me right now. It's it's a lot of like, oh God, you should get vengeance on my enemies because I told you to. <laughs> and that doesn't like really job with my theology very well. And so, but I also get that's like part of the human condition. So I'm trying to be open-minded and, and hope that, you know, something strikes me. All right. Um, what about you? Do you have any acknowledgments or bewailings other than... Well, I do have an acknowledgment, which is, do you listen to The Adventure Zone? I do not. Okay. Uh, so uh, The Adventure Zone is a podcast that is basically three brothers and their dad playing Dungeons & Dragons. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. And it's it's very, very funny and uh, and and. So I like it a lot. It's not one of the higher-minded things I listen to, but but I enjoy it. Anyway, uh, they uh, they're on the Maximum Fun Network, and so there's like a periodic fund drive um, for that. And so they did a special episode that was called the the Adventure Zone Zone, which was you know just a Q and A among themselves about you know how the show is created and things that they're thinking about. And about 30 or 40 minutes in, they uh, launch into this really interesting discussion. So it's, it's four white guys in this podcast, and you know they have been critiqued for the way that they have handled women characters. There are, they've been critiqued for some kind of perceived ways that they may have handled race. Mm. Um, and, the, uh, and the thing that I think was just great about this was they really kind of wrestled with some of these issues um, openly and non-defensively. And so it's just a... Uh, it was a really interesting and unexpected place uh, to to hear this kind of, of conversation about uh, their own privilege, um, you know, some some of the thoughtlessness uh, that, that they may have had from time to time. You know, none of us is perfect, um, but it was just interesting, and and you know, I enjoyed hearing them uh, engage with with these questions. That sounds really interesting. Yeah. So. So anyway, this show is not for everybody, um, much like, you know, the collect call is not for everybody. I know Indeed. the collect call is for most people, just like, not like 99 percent of people. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I have anything to bewail just this moment. Well, that's good. That's a good thing. Yeah. Well, if you would like to uh, tweet at us about your own acknowledgments or bewailings, you can find us on the Twitters at the collect call or on Facebook at the same, or you can email us at the collect call at axeatmovement.org. You can also leave us a review on iTunes, uh, which will help people to uh, find the show. Those That 99% of people who need to be listening. Exactly. Our parent organization is the Acts 8 Movement, uh, which you can find on the web at acts8movement.org uh, or on Facebook or Twitter at Acts 8 Movement. And if you haven't seen it already, you should head on over to acts8movement.org to download a video that you can use to promote Easter at your church uh, using uh, animated superhero Jesus. It's very cool. Animated yeah. superhero Jesus is a fun Jesus. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. 
Our theme music is Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence by Aaron DeVries, which is distributed under a Creative Commons license, and you can find more of Aaron's music at badgerland.bandcamp.com. And join us next week when we will be talking about the uh, Nunc Dimittis, uh, also known as the Song of Simeon. See you then. Let all mortal flesh keep silence And with fear and trembling stand Ponder nothing earthly-minded For with blessing in his hand Christ our God to earth descended, our full homage to deep.